Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Ruckus Education Podcast, where we bring you information about Ruckus products, technology, features, all the fun stuff. My name is Matt Clauda. I am very honored to be joined by our first guest today, the Ruckus Products Master Instructor, who has been with us for 12 years, and a very good friend of mine, Mr. Brian Stewart. Thanks, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Good. So, Brian, we talked about putting a podcast together and kind of talking about some different things. You know, this material can get a little bit dry and boring sometimes. So being able to sit down and have a normal conversation about it without a bunch of uh, nerd terms, I guess you could call them. Be yeah, a little bit and have fun. a little bit more off the cuff as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, exactly. So the one thing we're going to talk about today is BeamFlex. So BeamFlex is a technology that we use that I think, you know, the thing I like about it is we have access points that are being deployed in a lot of different venues now, right? Mm, we yeah. have stadiums, we have uh, corporate buildings, and now we see them a lot in homes. Yeah, well, hotels, conference centers, you know, there's, uh, yeah, all kinds of venues. That, yep. Yeah, and it's it's spreading to the point to where now people look at them and they think, oh, it's, you know, I talk to the kids about it and they think that it's just magical internet in the air, yep. which it kind of is, but when you explain it in different ways that, you know, they start to understand, they're like, whoa. Well, and that's one of the problems, too, when it comes to something like BeamFlex. It's not even just to the kids, but, you know, we as a company have always been kind of secretive about what really goes on with BeamFlex. And, you know, sometimes that's to our detriment because sometimes a customer is like, you know, we're here saying we, we shape the beam. We shape the RF signal that's going towards the client. And the customer's going, I sure you do. Really sure, you know. And so kind of demystifying some of that technology helps that to be understood and helps understand really what is the value add of that technology as well. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's important for people to kind of understand that this technology lives in all of our access points. I mean, oh yeah, everything yeah. that we put out has it. So it's really a way for people to understand that, you know, one of the, one of the funniest things that I, that I heard when, you know, back in the day when Brocade acquired Ruckus and it came in and mm. we had a lot of, you know, wired, you know, switching routing SEs that were going out and they were quoting access points for people. And yeah. all of a sudden, then they'd have to have somebody come in and clean things up because they'd look at the environment and say, whoa, you completely over deployed this thing. Yeah. There's too many. Yep. So you can oversaturate it too. So mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it, it's, it's really kind of a cool thing that now we're being a little bit more open about so that people can understand it better. Yep. So I guess my question is, if you were going to sit down and explain this to somebody that was saying, what makes your product better than the competitors? Like, yep. what is BeamFlex and how, how am I going to take advantage of it? Well, and I think it goes into uh, two really big discussions because, you know, traditionally BeamFlex was like the, the only thing that was kind of this adaptive nature. Um, but now we have beamforming, which is part of the 802.11 standards. And so there's a lot of confusion, a lot of confusion that's out there. And especially other vendors will try to come in and say like, oh, well, beamflex is no longer relevant because we have beamforming. So I think it's probably a good place to start that discussion with actually looking at beamforming rather than beamflex initially. Mm -hmm. And so beamforming, and these are two very different technologies, but to kind of set that stage let's have the, the industry standard discussion first. So the idea of beam forming is I've got an AP and that AP and potentially the associated client have two or more antennas. So, you know, when you're propagating out a cell signal, it's kind of like you've got a pond 
and you drop a rock in the middle of it. And those waves kind of move outward from wherever that rock happens to, to fall into the pond. And that's, that's your RF signal propagating out towards the clients that are somewhere in the area of that pond itself. If you, instead of dropping one rock in, if you drop two rocks in and say they're like five inches apart, you're going to create two different wave patterns. And wherever you have the peaks of those waves meet at the same time, that signal is going to amplify. So you're going to get like 80% higher signal because those two peaks of those waves are meeting at once. If the two troughs of the waves are meeting at once, you're going to have a deeper trough as well. But if they're out of sync, if you have a peak meeting a trough, that's going to cancel that signal out completely. So the idea of beam forming is I'm going to take and I'm going to drop those two rocks but I'm going to have the client kind of send back information to say, this is how out of sync the peaks of those waves were. So it's going to tell me what kind of delay I want to actually put on transmitting that second signal out of that second antenna. So that way we can synchronize where those peaks land from a client perspective. So instead of just dropping the two rocks at the same time, I'm going to wait just a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of a second before I drop that second rock. And by doing that, exactly where that client's located, those peaks of those waves meet at the exact same time. So now I'm getting a significant uplift in signal. So does that kind of make sense what's going on? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and it's, and it, you know, let's be honest here. It sounds like incredibly complicated, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's something that we do all the time, even just ourselves without even thinking about it. So, like, if you close your eyes right now and... I grab a pen out of my laptop bag and I throw that against the wall. You're going to know roughly where that pen hit, mm -hmm. you know, cause you do the exact same thing with two ears, two antennas, two ears, kind of the same idea. Yeah. You know that you're sensing, okay, how long of a delay was there between when I heard that in my right ear and when I heard it in my left ear, same kind of idea. You're just doing it with the RF signal. Let's be clear. Brian's talking about a concept. We haven't introduced AI into our products yet, so nobody's yeah. listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a good way to put it. I mean, it's it's something that it's come a long ways. Oh, absolutely. Long, right? I mean, yeah. we all had a Linksys or a D-Link mm -hmm. hub at home that had the two little antennas pointing off of it, and if you were lucky and your device was positioned at the right point, you know, you would get an intersecting line in there and it would give yeah. you a good signal. Well, but the way that always was traditionally was it was only using one of those two antennas. Yeah. That it just looked to see, okay, which of those two antennas has a greater signal? So I'm going to just go ahead and use that antenna to talk to that individual client. That's kind of the way it was before you ended up with something like beam forming. Yeah. Now, beam forming is not all rainbows and roses. You know, there are downsides that come along with this. So one of the big downsides is, you know, as we've moved along and as Wi-Fi has progressed, there's been additional things added other than just beamforming. And one of the big things over the last few generations is MIMO and MU-MIMO. And you're losing that out if you're doing beamforming. So because now I'm taking two antennas instead of sending two signals for one client as MIMO or for multiple clients as MU-MIMO, now those two antennas are being utilized to increase that signal rate through beamforming. You know, so you're kind of dropping out one for the other. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, to me, a lot of this stuff as we see technology evolve and build, mm -hmm. there's a lot of give and take with stuff. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know? I mean, look at where we went from 
386 processors to where we're at now. I mean, you've oh, yeah. gone a long ways to get them this much smaller and this much more powerful. I mean, yeah. it's, it's insane. So it's one of those things that you think about today, what's going on. Think about what it's going to be doing in 10 years. Oh, absolutely. Right. And, and as we see, you know, and, you know, two antennas, even though that was kind of traditionally what you saw a lot, um, you know, you see a lot of devices now that are four, that are six. So you can do both. You can do both MIMO and beamforming, you know, but you're going to do half as many transmissions if you're putting both of those together. Right. You know, the other weird thing with with beamforming is because you're actually, you know, kind of looking at that latency characteristic, um, when you're going around and looking at that signal, it looks really bizarre because you're moving just a few centimeters and all of a sudden, those wave patterns are 180 degrees off of sync with each other. And as soon as that happens, you're having, again, a trough that's meeting a peak. And it's totally canceling out that signal. So you're, you're going from an 80% boost in signal to an 80% drop in signal within a couple centimeters. So, yeah. you know, using that with mobile clients is, you know, you know, it's great with static clients. With mobile clients, it can be a little bit more touch and go when you're actually reading what's going on in the environment. If you can have some very, you know, unusual output. So, yeah. um, but that's kind of what beam flex is or sorry, let me, let me inverse that. <laughs> let me inverse that. Sorry. Um, that is what beam forming is. And again, that's kind of an industry standard beam flex is a totally different idea, you know? And again, it's one of those things, just like we talked about earlier that, a lot of times we'll have that conversation in front of the customer where we say, no, 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 we're not just like doing a delay between two antennas. We're actually shaping the signal. We are adaptively changing the polar pattern, you know? So, you know, you've got that, that pattern that you can see for any access point of, you know, this is your coverage area. This is kind of how that signal drops off. And, you know, it's roughly a circular pattern with, you know, any kind of omnidirectional antenna. Um, so we're saying, no, we're going to shift that. It's not just an omni. We, we change those patterns. And again, because we have not been real forthright with how we're doing that, people go, uh-huh, mm-hmm. sure you do. Sure. You know? and, then, and we get that from competitors that say, yeah, it's smoke and mirrors. But you know, the thing is with this, this is not new technology. No. You know, these things have been around for a long time. And I'm not talking about RAPs. So... Again, let's move this conversation out of the world of Wi-Fi. So we're here in a room with two mics in front of us. So let's move it into that sphere, into that space. So um, a company called Newman um, released, I believe it was their Newman U40, uh, U47 microphone, came out in 1948, um, referred to as the Tele, real popular microphone with like um, Frank Sinatra, a lot of the crooners of the age. Um, and it was the first microphone with a changeable polar pattern. So it was a condenser microphone, which means it's got a vibrating membrane that sits in front of a flat plane. Um, but they did something a little bit different than condenser microphones previously. They took two of those membranes and sandwiched those around kind of that flat plane. And they put a little switch on there so you could flip on or off whether you're using one or two of those membranes. And it changed it from a microphone that you just heard everything that was in the front of to a microphone with an omni pattern. So it went all the way around. So even though those membranes kind of pointed forward and backward, if you talked in the side of that microphone, it vibrated both those membranes because those sound waves are trying to go through between and you still got good sound pickup from each direction. 
And it wasn't long before they realized that if they inverted the voltage patterns between those two membranes, then all of a sudden, if you're talking from the side, it's affecting them in an opposite pattern. So that would actually give you complete noise rejections from the side. So now you've got three different patterns that you can work with with these microphones. So we're talking, what, over 80 years at this stage. Yeah. You know, that they've had polar patterns that can be changed, you know. So, yeah, this is not brand new. Right. You know, it's just coming from a different area of technology, you know. And the thing that is really key and important and is really more amazing about the ruckus technology is not the fact that you can adapt polar patterns, you know, because like we've just shown that that's been happening for a long time. There's various different ways to do it with, you know, multiple antenna elements. There's ways to do it with, you know, playing with the RF to reflect signals. There's a lot of different ways you can do that, but to do it dynamically, to do it quickly per packet, that is a lot of the magic that comes in there. And even more so than that, the really magic thing about a Ruckus AP is the algorithm, the search algorithm that's built into it. You know, because we have hundreds and in some cases thousands of patterns that can be utilized. So especially when you're dealing with, you know, one that has many different antennas that are both in a horizontal and a, you know, vertical polarization pattern, um, you can go through so many different patterns to look for you know, where is that client and how are we going to get the best signal to noise ratio from that individual client by using these different polar patterns. So the search process of, okay, I'm going to look using this pattern first and record exactly, okay, what was the SNR? What was the, the signal rate I'm getting? Try a different pattern. You don't want to just go from pattern one to pattern 4,096 one at a time. It's right. going to take a long time. And you're going to have a lot of those that give you really crappy reception from the client, you know, so knowing how to go, okay, the first two attempts I made gave me this value and this value. So what is the most likely pattern that's going to start dialing in that client much better? And, you know, for, for this, we're not going to go heavily into the mathematics of those processes. Number one, cause I can't, my, my brain doesn't work that way. Number two, cause I can't follow you if you could. Yeah, And that's, <laughs> and that's exactly what I was going to say too. You know, I mean, we had some, some mathematically just brilliant engineers that, you know, during the, the early phases of developing this technology, developed those algorithms. And, you know, they are one of the few handful of people in the world that have the, the level of mathematical understanding to, to be able to even know what's going on with those patterns. And, you know, there's no way to bring that down to a layperson level. Yeah, you know, no it's just, it's not something that comes down to that. But it's, you know, it's weird because the magic's in a totally different people or totally different place than where most people think it is. Because most people think, oh, yeah, no, you can't just like totally change where that RF signal is going, the direction of the RF signal. And that, that part's easy. You know, it is really, truly, you know, pegging that client down quickly with those algorithms. That's what's so powerful. And, you know, what I find the most interesting about this technology is we've, we've seen over and over in this industry, like you create something incredible and innovative and, you know, um, all of a sudden the, the next generation of processors, you know, like we talked about earlier, you know, we've gone a long way, 
from 386 up through you know 10th generation core processors from from Intel and Ryzen 7 and you know of course I'm sorry I'm dating this podcast potentially a year or two down the road where people are going that's archaic but you know <laughs> um but you you look at that you know that path and there have been lots of things whether there's software or hardware developments that all of a sudden in that next generation there's something built into that next generation that totally negates it yeah and it just means okay well everything you had there is no longer a value add and the amazing thing with beamflex is that as we've moved up from you know 802.11ab to you know moving up to to n moving to ac and even moving into wi-fi 6 moving into ax in my viewpoint of it this has only become more important you know, a lot of people will say, again, like I started the conversation with, that, oh, Beamflex is no longer important because Beamforming's out there. Well, as we've defined, they're two very different technologies. Right. Um, and Beamflex is actually directional. Yeah. You know, so instead of just identifying how to move those peaks up, we're actually shaping that direction towards the client. So some of those problems with mobile clients with Beamforming, not an issue with Beamflex. So Beamflex is not going to have a significant difference when you move two centimeters. You know, it's not based off of just a single peak to valley pattern, you know, of that waveform. You know, it's based on that client is off in this given direction and this pattern is giving us the best signal to noise ratio and the best signal level from that client. You know, so it's 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 not an issue if they move two centimeters and all of a sudden that's totally different. You know, so it's far better off at continually adapting and not having significant drop offs from a small client move. The really beautiful thing here is they're independent. So guess what? We do both. Yeah. You know, that other vendors say, well, no, 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 we got, we got beam forming now. Well, yeah, we got both. So if you really need to kick up those peaks, then we can do both beam forming and beam flex simultaneously. Now, you know, in most modern architectures and environment, you're probably going to be better off doing MIMO and MU-MIMO. You know, and having that advantage of Beamflex. But if you need, you know, that kind of boost, you can have Beamflex and Beamforming on a Ruckus AP, which no other vendor is going to have that because they're only going to have the Beamforming piece. And I'll tell you, when you change those polar patterns, you're not talking just like an 80% boost in efficiency. You're talking significantly higher because now instead of spreading that RF in all directions, you know, I'm spreading that out only over, you know, potentially a third, potentially a quarter, you know, of that overall direction. I'm kind of, you know, really focusing in towards where that client happens to reside. And that's giving me much, much higher boosts than you get with something like Beamforming. Yeah. So. And that's, I mean, kind of trying to visualize it, you have to under, so let's take a wide open space. Yeah. Right? Like, a, like an open office floor plan, mm -hmm. right? And then you spread 10 people out across that space. It's doing all of this individually for each of those clients. Absolutely. And that stream shooting towards them. So you're getting all of this done. Yep. And it's it's seamless. I mean, they yeah. don't know. They just know they have their performance. Yep. Right? And there's no issues with it. And it just it works. So it's it's really kind of a cool thing to look at and realize that as you look at where we were 
versus versus where we are. That's yeah. the, that's the cool thing that kind of blows my mind is this oh, stuff yeah. is happening so fast and so efficiently that nobody even knows. Yep, absolutely. And now as we move into and as we take that into Wi-Fi six and we take that into AX, now all of a sudden that can all be over sub channels. Yeah, you know. So now you've got those five, six, seven, ten people. And a lot of them can be transmitting simultaneously over the same major channel, but over sub-channels within that. And it is adaptively using polar patterns, you know, focused towards each of those individual clients. You know, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's immense the type of difference that makes within a deployment, especially when you're dealing with high density. You know, a lot of people are, you know, they always concentrate on, you know, like how far away you are from the AP, how far the covered cells are. And that, that's, you know, that's a 20-year-old way of looking at Wi-Fi. When you had very few clients that were over a large office, you know, only a few people actually had a Wi-Fi device. Everyone else was still hardwired on their desktop. Doing a coverage model made a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, and as far as coverage models are concerned, Ruckus APs work beautifully for that too. You know, I can walk with the, the APs in my house, I can walk a ridiculous, like, two and a half, three blocks and still have a signal, which is just completely stupid. Yep. You know, and it's because of that Beanflex technology, those adaptive adaptive antennas, you know. But that's not really the focus. You know, in a, in a modern infrastructure, you're going to totally overload an AP if you're doing everything based off of that. Yeah. You know, so in high-density environments, you know, now all of a sudden not only are you, you know, getting much better SNR off of an individual client, but you're sending that signal in that given direction. So you're not sending that signal where it shouldn't be. Yep. You know, so now your, your overlaps aren't near as problematic. And, you know, so just in any type of deployment, it makes a huge difference in the overall performance, the throughput. And that, that's what it comes down to for client experience. Yeah. You know, it's funny, too, because one, one of the most noticeable personal experiences I had with that was when my parents retired, they moved. And when they moved, my dad was sick of stairs. And he's like, I'm getting old. I don't want to walk up and down stairs. I'm like, okay, I get that. So they moved. They got their local cable company or internet provider came out and gave him the set-top box that has the AP in it, right? And he called me and said, hey, my Wi-Fi doesn't work on the back deck. And he likes to take his iPad out there and, you know, do his Facebook and, you know, email and everything. And he said, it doesn't work. And I said, well, I'll fix that. So I took him an AP. Yeah, and plugged it in and hooked it up, and he called me and said, "My Wi-Fi works everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> he can go to the neighbor's house and have a beer, and it's still working." So, oh yeah, yep. you know, and I, I kind of tried to explain this to him, that, and I said, "Look, that that piece of equipment that's sitting there that you got from your provider, mm-hmm. it provides you a level eleven channels of yeah. wireless connectivity, right?" And they're all going to be bleeding over with your neighbors because they're all using the same 11 channels. And they're trying to hop between them and figure out which one has the least amount of SNR, like you talked Mm -hmm. about. The difference is with this access point sitting here, you're on channel 135. And I guarantee you none of your neighbors in this whole area have an access point that can actually use a channel 135. So you won't get any kind of noise or interference that comes into the wireless signal that you're using. Cause yeah. you have, well, and that's the big difference making a jump from a consumer product into yeah. a commercial product. Yeah. And any, any commercial product is going to support all the five gig channels and all the 2.4, yep. you know, but even, you know, even if he had a, another vendor's commercial product, I won't, <laughs> I, I, I won't go down the road of naming names here, or doing anything <laughs> like that. But even, even if it was another vendor's commercial product, any other vendor's commercial product, you know, it does not have that 
Beam Flexibility, you know, and we also have what's called Beam Flex Plus, you know, which is doing that through the vertical and horizontal. So you talk about him using an iPad in that case, you know, so he may be switching from, you know, looking at that as portrait when he's like looking at a web page and then turning it sideways landscape for watching something off of Netflix or a movie or whatever it may be. And that's changing the polarization of that antenna. You know, as soon as you do that on a lot of vendor APs, you know, the signal is going to go to crap. Yep. So, but the fact that we have combinations of, you know, on, and this is where we get, you know, all of our APs do beam flex. Um, but our entry level AP does not do beam flex plus, yeah. you know, it doesn't have the combination of vertical and horizontal polarized antennas, but as soon as you get up to that level, you know, makes just gigantic differences in signal quality and in just usability and it just being co- totally transparent from the, the standpoint of the user experience. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very true. So what I want to see is you were talking about Wi-Fi 6 and, yeah. and AX and things like that. What are we doing in five years? So so rewind the clock 10, 15 years, right? And mm-hmm. we had fiber everywhere in the world and yeah. in the country for infrastructure, right? And it was starting to become oversubscribed. So you had customers that were buying up fiber yeah. And all of a sudden the telcos were saying, we don't have any more fiber. What are we going to do? So they figured out how to spray different colors of light down that fiber mm-hmm. to create individual circuits on it. And now all of a sudden we have all kinds of dark fiber. Yeah. Right. So you're talking about this exponential growth that goes into it, which it really will. I mean, there's going to be a lot of growth and you're going to increase, you know, the footprint of it essentially, right? How many yeah. clients you can take and what you can do. Do we do we run the risk of kind of running into that same kind of dilemma to where now you have this tiny access point? I mean, I've got access points on my desk. They're small. It can handle a ton of traffic. Yeah. And then all of a sudden now it's underutilized, right? It's a workhorse that's not working hard enough. Do, do we run into that or do we get to a point to where you take a 2,000-square-foot building and you put four access points in it and you're done? Like, I mean, where is this going to go? Well, I mean, yeah, there's going to be a lot more need for throughput, you know, whether that is, you know, more consumption of, you know, 4K video with HDR. And so you're, you're pushing a lot more data, a lot more bits through, um, whether it's for something like, you know, VR content is that kind of explodes. And, you know, so someone's watching a 360 degree, that's like, you know, 4K resolution in any direction they look, you know, there, there's a lot of things that can potentially just take the amount of bandwidth that's being utilized and just shove it through the roof. Yeah. Um, you know, but then you're just, you know, you're, you're creating more smaller cells to make sure they're not overlapping as much. You're again, AX is a huge benefit here because now you have that ability to utilize sub channels and really kind of carve out, you know, the bandwidth instead of just only one device is talking, you know, and everything else is sitting there waiting for the air to clear, you know, now you can kind of separate out and isolate out those groupings of sub channels makes a, a huge difference. And a, a lot of things will be kind of moving in that direction as we go forward. And then we go kind of down the road, we start going into millimeter wave, we start going into, you know, other, you know, other higher bands uh, that can generate a lot more throughput, you know, a lot of the stuff up to this point has been utilizing the same bands and just kind of changing the level of qualm and that that starts to get into really technical discussions that you know through a through more of a full class is probably a better place to, to kind of yeah. do that because you start getting into a lot of again you get into a lot of numbers you get into a lot of that kind of stuff with that um, but that's been kind of 
the way a lot of that's been gained up to this point. But with millimeter wave on the horizon, things like that, then you're starting to get more that's just kind of built into the actual frequency itself. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, I'd like to take an analyzer and walk around some of the neighborhoods that are starting to deploy you know, new home builds that they're building and there are certain companies that are doing it out there and they're installing ruckus access points in houses. Yeah. And so oh, yeah. now all of a sudden you take, you know, a pretty good sized area with a lot of access points in one more condensed area, right? So you've got signal all over the place. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see what that looks like. But the nice thing is, is none of the homeowners complain about poor Wi-Fi signal or poor Wi-Fi performance because the access points are smart enough to know that there's other stuff out there and they just adjust. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's really cool. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. Um, I kind of, I look forward personally to seeing where a lot of this stuff goes. Oh, absolutely. Um, I know that personally, I, I really do notice a a huge difference just in Wi-Fi performance when using our products Mm -hmm. and then, I get it. Everybody thinks it's a biased view and it is, Yeah. but it's also more of an educated one having dealt with different products and, you know, different things out there. It's been, yeah. it's been a really good experience. It really Well, has. and I mean, before the, the ruckus acquisition. So we did, um, as, as brocade as an entity before, um, we did OEM Wi-Fi from other vendors who will again remain nameless. I, I won't go down that road of the naming and everything else. But we had OEM'd various Wi-Fi access points in the past. So, you know, we had experience with other vendors. Um, and kind of I had the the benefit, and you as well, of kind of coming into that as part of that acquisition of a more, um, a more unbiased view, you know, um, that we hadn't kind of been grown and fed on that, you know. So as we came into that and started really looking and delving into the technology, it was just like, Wow, yeah. you know, it was just really eye-opening, yep. and and I mean, you know, we can still tell it now when you go to various you know hotels or like that. Matt and I both travel you know fairly extensively within our jobs, and you go whether it's into a hotel or an airport or a convention center, and you always bring out the Wi-Fi analyzer is one of the first things and look and see okay what are they using, and as a general rule, you can tell a pretty significant difference yep. when someone has deployed ruckus in their environment versus other vendors yeah you know the experience is just very different from the end user perspective and i mean we're going back seven eight years now talking about other vendors that were oem through brocade yeah yeah and one of the first things i noticed that so my big thing is i've I've been a routing switching guy my entire life so i've Mm -hmm. lived in a cli i've never used a, a gui for anything um, I guess I'm, I'm not going to call myself, you know, old dog, new tricks. Like I can get around it and it's fine, but other vendors I've sat down and tried to, and even back then the OEM products mm-hmm. looking at it, I felt like I was looking at an alien in a way, Yeah, you know, because it just nothing that it was doing or talking about or telling me didn't make sense in terms of what my end goal was, what it I was trying feel to accomplish. Intuitive. Yeah, yeah. It did not at yeah. all. Yeah. And then now I can get into any of our, pro- I can get into a zone director. Yep. I can get into smart zone. I can get into unleashed. unleashed get into, yeah. Yep. And I know what it's talking about. Like it makes sense. You yeah. The story is there's a picture there and it's been painted. So it's yeah. a lot easier to navigate. It really is. Yeah. Oh, and I agree with that. And I deal, you know, constantly with people coming from different ecosystems. And that is something that I get as a comment a lot is that, you know, moving from other vendors, controllers, from other vendors, UIs that just, you know, our ecosystem is much 
easier to kind of make your way through. It's much more logically laid out. It's a it's a much simpler overall process. Yeah. So well, yeah. I mean, you, you move to a new city, you got to find your way around. So oh, absolutely. And yeah. since you're doing that, you know, yeah. and, you, and you'll get to it, it just it just takes a little bit longer. But it is very intuitive, and yeah. I do like how it's laid out a lot. Yeah, yeah me too. So, yeah. Cool. Well, Brian, I really appreciate your time. This has been a lot of fun. It really Absolutely. has. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been good. And uh, this is it. This is the first podcast that we've done. So you're yeah. breaking ground and setting the bar. Cool enough. And <laughs> good luck with the series as it goes forward. And I look forward to seeing kind of what comes down the pike and, you know, seeing kind of how this grows and develops. So, yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for taking part in this. I appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Matt. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks. Mm-hmm.